So Money episode 1168, Laura Day, author of Practical Intuition. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Pain is not a destination. Pain is a bridge between an old you, which you are ripping yourself away or has been ripped from you, and what you can create. I promise today's episode is not going to be woo-woo, but we are going to talk about intuition because I think it's important when we're making really tough decisions right now about money, about our jobs, about our relationships, about life. And our guest today is the expert with a capital E when it comes to understanding what is intuition and how to leverage it to make the right choices in your life. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We have the privilege of hearing from Laura Day on So Money today. She is the author of six best-selling books, including Practical Intuition and The Circle. Her work has helped demystify intuition and bring it to the mainstream, from celebrities like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston to world leaders and Oprah. Everybody loves Laura. Everybody appreciates her work for demonstrating the practical, verifiable, and sometimes astonishing uses of intuition when it comes to money, business, science, medicine, and personal growth. On our show, Laura helps to define intuition. What does it mean to do the right thing? What are her predictions about the economy? And if you're contemplating an opportunity right now, a career opportunity, a financial opportunity, you must listen to Laura before you make a move and maybe even go buy one of her books. It's money well spent. Here's Laura Day. Laura Day, welcome to So Money. I'm so happy to be finally connecting with you. And what a time to be connecting. This has been quite an amazing time of change. Well, Laura, to kick us off, I would love for you to just for all of us, explain what you mean and what is meant by the term intuition. I mean, there's a lot of other words for this, right? Sixth sense, my gut. How do you define it? And then when do we know when it's summoning us or it's calling for our attention or maybe the reverse? How do we summon it? How do we call our intuition into play? Well, I started in the early 80s as a test subject when universities and the military were interested in the extended capacities of perception. So things like being able to look into the future and document and prove certain events or view a remote location and all of that was groundbreaking back in, you know, 1983. Now, of course, you go on PubMed or any of these research sites and you really see the fact that our brains work in a way that we are just beginning to understand and extends much further than what we previously thought. Um, so, so this is good news and bad news. I, I define intuition and there are words like 
psychic or spirituality, which frankly has nothing to do with intuition, but I define intuition as extended perception. So the same way your senses perceive your environment, they also can perceive the future, they can perceive somebody else, they can perceive another location. And just as your senses perceive your environment inaccurately based on a lot of your subconscious biases, we kind of, we don't see what we don't see, the same way intuition also picks things up kind of helter kilter all over the place and often is more of a detriment to our functioning than it is an asset. So my life work, the reason I call my work practical intuition is that it's really about how do we get the information we need in a way that we can take action how do we prove or disprove it? Because I always tell my students, the only difference between psychic and psychotic is that your information is verifiable. Otherwise, you just need better psych meds. So how do we do that? And how do we employ that in our lives? And I think that, you know, especially um, in today's world, Intuition has a real place in functioning because we are overwhelmed with so much information. Much of it is inaccurate and we don't really have a good methodology to apply it. It's like someone giving us a car saying, get in and you don't even know what it's for. Um, you know, we don't know how to use it. And, and intuition has a downside, which is that the same perceptual porosity that allows us to do corporate spying from a distance, which is really my job is to predict the future for companies and corporate spying and all of those very kind of grounded, uh, provable functions, because I work mostly with large companies. But that same porosity also allows other people's thoughts and judgments, opinions and values, pain and distraction to derail us. So, so there's a, a real methodology to using intuition. And as if you read my press and what I love about my press is it's very, most of it, very unwoo-woo, you can see that you can predict a stock market crash. You know, any of you who are moms know your doctor may say your kid's fine and you know something's wrong and you have a sense of what and you may not have the language, but you're taught only to value certain kinds of information. So one of the things that I do is create interactive communities for people where they are using their intuition and, and the way to use it is to take away any other data. So for example, when I was 22 and I was being tested on medical diagnosis and prognosis, which, by the way, I would only do for doctors for their patients since practicing medicine without a license is a felony, um, I would be given a file number and I would just notice where my attention went and I would use my language to describe what was going on in the body. Um, I worked with a wonderful 
uh, AIDS researcher named Dr. Larry Waits, who did some of the first research on HIV before it was called HIV, when we called it, God knows what this is, help us, punishment from God, whatever, um, you know, back in the 80s. And they'd give me whatever the number was, you know, A470 for a drug and how many patients were in the sampling. And I would, with my intuition, run it through their bodies and say, ooh, you know, a handful of them have this happening to their kidneys. And it's really good for what you want, but it needs a steroid, you know. So, and and you're doing this all of the time. Um, one of the really uh, fun things for me about being a test subject was that in the early 80s, I was considered a freak because I was a very repressed, straight-laced, you know, upper middle class Jewish girl from New York who saw things other people didn't see, heard things other people didn't hear, and they were provable. And so the research community basically said, oh, well, she's she has a unique brain. She's kind of a freak. Nobody can do this. You know, that we they're just a couple walking among us. And I prove that that's not the case, that actually every single person with a little bit of refocusing has incredible mm-hmm. access to their intuition. And when you learn, A, how to block it, so to be less porous, and B, how to direct it, you really have a winning formula for life, which of course doesn't mean life gets easy because life never gets easy. But when you have purpose and when your efforts yield meaningful results, the hard really doesn't feel quite as hard. What I love about what you teach and the foundation of what intuition can be is that it is it doesn't discriminate everybody can have access to this you say and maybe to your point you know it's not going to help you have an easy life but you can feel in that moment that you're making the right decision i have to correct you i oh i love arguing thank you um it has nothing to do with feeling and when your life runs smooth, smoothly, you do feel you have an easy life and it can help you make your life run smoothly. It, it doesn't make you feel that you're making the correct decision. Feeling isn't fact. What it does is if you document it over time, it shows you that if you employ certain practices, you do make the right decision over and over again, even if it feels like you're not making the right decision. That, so, I love that. Like, Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. So it begs the question, what defines the right thing to do? Because that feels, to, that again, maybe I'll, I'll stop using the word feel. That signals to me as something that is very subjective. It is. You know, I make my living working for very large companies. And to some people that feels wrong. To me, it feels right. These companies employ people. I like the people I'm working with. It's, you know, what makes your life work is, is subjective. And it also has to do with timing. When I had a child at home, what made my life work was to be able to make sufficient income to keep him in private school without doing anything illegal or unethical and still be able to be the class mom. I now have a nearly 29-year-old, and and what makes my life work 
is very different now. And I think that, you know, one of the first things that I have people do, and it truly is an intuitive exercise, is what are your goals? Because your goals will organize your intuition, especially if you pick a kind of your, your lead goal, the front runner. What is your number one goal. Now, your goals are not your reactive pressure. So, of course, if you can't pay the rent this month, you know, a reactive pressure is, yes, earth reality here. You've got to figure out a way to pay the rent. But your your goal may be to do something creative while making a living that allows you to uh, travel the world. You know, it's really important to have a goal. Once you have a goal, you begin to organize the data, both the data of experience, the data of neurosis. So what is it in me that's getting in the way? The data of intellect. So what information that I find reliable is out there that maybe I need to learn more about and the data of intuition. So what out of the blue, am I beginning to notice once I set a goal, which we call an intuition, a target, what out of the blue am I beginning to notice? So for example, when I, you know, I started in this endeavor very young and I didn't particularly want or know what I wanted to do with it. It was just a lot of learned people were interested in me and it was really cool and it was something I could do easily. I, when then I got pregnant and, need, and left my husband the same minute and needed to make a living, all of a sudden my goal was how can I be a stay-at-home mom and still support my son in New York City? And in order to make myself feel better, I had the sudden urge to write. And I wrote down all of the exercises and lectures and trainings I had done for different universities and companies, I, I really just felt the need to do that. And I was doing it in a place in New York called PlaySpace, while my son, who was then, I don't know, 11 months old, was eating sand. And I was doing this because I just felt like I just needed to do it. And it wasn't that I trusted it. It was that I was so anxious and it was the only thing that gave me a sense of relief was doing my own exercises in a sense. Mm. And another mom sat down next to me and said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, this is just a thing I do. And, and uh, you know, it's a way of using your brain differently. And she said, oh, let me see your pages. And I'm like, no, really, this is just a mess. And she said, come on. And so I did. I, I let her bully me into it. Her son, who was a little older than my son, was there eating sand in the sandbox in play space. She was a top New York agent. And within, I don't know, six weeks, wow. I had one of the largest advances ever paid for a first-time author who was a complete unknown. Um, and the book became an instant New York Times bestseller. So that's the way intuition works. It's not always, you know, go left, look to the stars. Often it's a sudden urge to look on the second page, middle of the page of the want ads, and you see something you're not qualified for, and you say, 
in that moment, what the hell I'm going to call up. And it's just the moment that something you, the person walked out to the job you are qualified for. You know, it, it's really interesting. Yes. It's actionable. Yes. You said something interesting in your story there, though, that you did this writing, despite the fact that you didn't necessarily trust it. And I feel that many people listening would relate to that insofar as we don't always trust what is actually our intuition. Is that a block that you see happening time and time again? And if it is, how do you overcome that? Well, it's not just that we don't trust intuition. We don't trust, we don't trust anything about ourselves. I mean, we are taught from day one that we're wrong. And there's an expert for everything that knows. I mean, I could have an expert for every toenail on my toe if I wanted one. I, you know, we're taught that we're wrong. You, you don't feel that intuition is right. It's not a feeling and it's not a belief. What you do is you document, you, you, you follow safe impulses that seem healthy. So there was nothing unhealthy. My impulse wasn't saying walk a tightrope. It was saying, right. So you follow your safe impulses. You notice where they take you and you then have a pause. And often the world will either intersect and show you why you were doing the right thing, or you have a pause and say, wow, I'm giving away a lot of my cookies lately people are liking them. Maybe I should charge. That's a real story of a welfare mother who became a multimillionaire. So you don't feel it's right. And actually, I I train so many people in intuition because it is a useful skill. It's the only skill that really prepares you for the future. And one of the things I train them to do is to know what their questions are. So what their worries are, or their questions have a goal, and then notice what they're doing. And then document the ideas, the people who come out of left field, the new things that they become interested in trying, document it. Because what happens is, even in the space of a few weeks, if you look back on what you've documented, you don't need to believe in your intuition. You will see, wow, My intuition really led me, my behaviors, once I engaged intuition, really led me to do these things that have changed my life in three weeks. And and it it is so fun to teach because it is an innate ability we all have, and it's uncanny. Don't wait to trust it. When I am doing a reading, and I, I have now been reading professionally for 40 years. I read for companies. So they don't want to hear, I see a sunset, I see happiness. <laughs> they want to hear this, the packaging on this product is not going to do well in shipment for the following reasons. They want data that they can prove or disprove. You know, and, and one thing that, that I tell my students is while I'm saying what I'm saying, I really feel like I need psych meds. I feel this is crazy. What am I talking about? You know, and I read a lot of, of tech companies and things like that. And I can't even turn on my own TV because my husband changed us over from cable to Fios. And who even knows? Like we have six controllers. It makes me crazy. But, but I help the companies that create that technology and be, and, and the way that I do it, the way that you do it is when you're thinking, Oh my God, what am I going to do? 
instead of repeating the question over and over and getting yourself neurotic, notice, what am I going to do? And you, you suddenly have a picture of uh, when you were in summer camp and you didn't know anybody in your bunk and you started, you, you went outside and sat on a bench and you started drawing because you were a good, and you, you say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go out and do that. And you do that. And the person who sits next to you mm-hmm. ends up being someone who has your answer. Wow. It's really, we live in an inter, it's not magic. And I hate when my students yeah. a lot. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm connecting these dots in my own life. And one of the things intuition does is it helps you become the person who you need to be before you meet the challenge that person needs to meet. Ah. And it's a really, it's a wonderful and intricate process. And I know we are, we're living in a pandemic, but you know what? Reality here, we're always living in something. We're living in a market crash. We're living in a place where the minimum wage, you have to have seven jobs to feed your family. We're living in, you know, we are always living in something. And I suggest a few things. A, have five bitch moments in the morning, which is, oh my God, this is never going to work out. five? Five. Maybe 10. No, five. I'm never going to work out. Everything's wrong. I'm too old. No one's going to love me. My, my, I have no credentials. Everything, I'm so unhappy, blah, blah, blah. And then you get up and you say, okay, in this moment, what can I do? In this moment, maybe I can clean my sock drawer. In this moment, mm-hmm. maybe I can pick up a, and call a friend who might be able to help me find a job or someone who knows how to navigate social services. In this moment, what can I do and do it? And it's really interesting because when you engage that and it's not positive thinking, which I think is the number one mind contortion of the 20th century, but it is, it is okay, lots I can't do. Focusing on that isn't going to help. Did it for five minutes because I do need to honor my my discomfort. But now, what can I do? And when you have that mindset, and it's hard, it's not easy. But when you have that mindset, what you'll notice is you'll notice you can do a lot of things. And you find power and purpose. Purpose is a greater indicator of longevity than quitting smoking or exercising community and purpose. And there, there is an answer for everything. And that's one reason I love working with kind of down and out groups. I love working with people who are, who've lost everything because they have they have that compelling survival purpose and they tend to be superstars really quickly whether it's a business that's about to collapse or a person who's just had everything taken from them because those patterns are broken it's all intention and purpose and that's so important because this is a financial podcast and I want to make sure our listeners get some sort of first step at least where if you're listening and you you want to either make more money this year or you just want to up level your financial life what is your advice how can we allow our intuition to guide us through that crossroads intuition works the same way for anything. I mean, I have a wonderful broker. I think you need to surround yourself with as many 
well-known, well-tried, well-referred, positive advisors as possible. And those aren't always professional ones. You need to have goals, but you also do need to take care of the moment just because in the moment, you know, you're working at an awful job that you hate doesn't mean that you can't use the connections you make through that to have a job you want, but you have to have that goal. In terms of the financial markets, I think that um, I used to work a lot with traders, training traders, because traders are actually wonderful intuitives. And, and I find that it is very important, in a sense, to step back from your trades, step back from your money a little bit and deal with your everyday, because then there's the space for those sudden flashes of information to come in for you to check them out yes. and for you to then get good advice to act upon them. It's the, the worst time to trade is always when you're desperate for money or when you're, if a position isn't, uh, you know, you're in love with the position and no matter what, it's got to work out. Then, you know, your intuition is not working. Your, your psychology is working. So, you know, there's so many different ways. I, I remember when I first left my husband, I thought, oh my God, please let me win $3 million and just get through the next few years. Well, for my second and third book, I was paid $3 million. It was a very funny verification. What you need is going to come in a way that you didn't expect it because you can only brainstorm or imagine based on your history. Intuition will give you new, actionable, accurate solutions if you step back a little bit and let it. I think I heard Oprah Winfrey once say that your intuition, or maybe she called it the voice in your head, is God speaking to you. Is that too woo-woo? For me, I hate to, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see our wisdom as separate from us. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we put everything powerful outside of ourselves and the only thing we own is our cellulite. I mean, I think... It's really thank you. I like that. You know, you are, you are, you're it. You're it and you are enough. And you're not, you know, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have pond slime moments. I work with billionaires, I work with huge celebrities, and I work with people in homeless shelters. And they have the same feelings and the same ups and downs. And, you know, we all have what I call those pond slime moments. It's what we do with them that counts. And it's often our worst moments that bring us to our greatest heights. However, the biggest mistake people make is pain is an indicator to do something different. Pain is not a destination. Pain is a bridge between an old you, which you are ripping yourself away or has been ripped from you, and what you can create. It is so important to have a goal, to stick with the goal, and to really document the, the, not only the ideas that come out of left field, but to 
to document the things that happen to you once you have a target or a goal that come out of left field. Because what you'll see is that you are creating your reality. And, and you can, and, and I know it's hard. You know, I have been, I've been a single mother. I've been a single mother with huge legal bills and private school bills and no support and no time to eat. And I could have braided the hair on my legs. It was so long, you know, no, no body maintenance time. And those are, those really are, they're passages. We have to have compassion for them, but our focus needs to be on what we can do. And when you do that, intuition automatically gets engaged. And, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, yeah, go on, sorry. Well, you said earlier at the very beginning of our conversation that there are goals and then there are reactive pressures. I think that was the phrase, which was, for me, very eye-opening because in the, especially in our personal finance world, in our, in the context of money, when we think about establishing goals, what do we say? We say, I want to save money. I want to get out of debt. I want to invest more. I want to start a business. But I think for hearing what you, so far, what you, you've shared, that those are more reactive pressures. So, well, you- I want to start a business is the only one that yeah. that is a goal. The rest so, of them are reactive pressures. And then you go to your can do's. What can I do? Uh, mm-hmm. Can I go online and find business loans? Do I qualify for food aid? And can I take it for a while without having to go through my whole mishigas about it? You know, you go to your can do for your reactive things and you put your and, and your attention stays on your can-do, but you have your goal. And your goal is not a business. Your goal is an incredibly successful business that you love doing and that gives you a real identity in the world that you love. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I thought that was good to just clarify because since the, so much of this is embedded in having clear goals to sort of you know, reinforce that is, is so important. Do you have predictions for where, you know, our, the pandemic is headed, the economy? I'm sure you get asked this a lot. I'm sorry if this annoys you, but <laughs> while I have you, you consult Wall Street so much. I just thought we have to ask you. It, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't annoy me. Um, and it, in an umbrella, I don't think the world is falling apart. Um, I think that what people forget is that for, you know, for those of us who had good jobs and cars and wonderful social lives and well-paying jobs, this is really, you know, a crisis. But that most of our American community lives in this crisis, this pandemic crisis all the time. They they there's food insecurity, whether or not there's a pandemic, there's not medical care, the minimum wage is too low, you know, and yet even those people really find a way to thrive. I say be part of a community and it's all going to be easier. And, and it, it's, I had, I have a really interesting story I want to tell. I have a, um, on, on Instagram, I have these groups where professional psychics and novices all read each other and they read each other for, you know, anything they need some, some advice on, some hits, some accurate hits on. And during, when the pandemic began, I was living in London. I'm in New York now. 
And I put away a few thousand dollars and said, listen, I said to my husband, I'm going to send out a newsletter and tell people, anyone who needs money, let me know if you need groceries, if you need medicine. Because like people were just getting their feet. You know, the, the worst was when it had just hit and nobody knew what they were doing. And my husband said, don't do it. You're going to be overwhelmed with requests and you're, you know, it's going to be so costly. It's going to cost you hundreds of blah, 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 blah. But I, but of course I never listened to anyone. So I, I did it. And I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with people. Yeah, there were a couple people who one woman had left an abusive relationship, needed a wardrobe. Another woman was a first responder, couldn't get food and medicine. I was, you know, I got some requests, but I was overwhelmed with people who had misunderstood what I was asking for and offered funds, offered to drop off food and medicine, offered to, you know, clothe, drive, do all kinds of things for other. I was overwhelmed by other people's generosity. And I think that when you are, it happened because not only are we part of a community in, in this intuitive community, but we're also a community that knows that we are only as well as our weakest member. And I think that it was a really affirming. First of all, I love to be right when my husband disagrees with me. (laughs) But it was also really affirming for me because the the outpouring of generosity for complete strangers was, was incredible. And also the permission to say to a community as you were, would to a family, you know, my doorman is scared. He won't bring up groceries. Does anyone live in the zip code? Can anyone deliver this for me? I mean, it was really lovely. Life is very complicated. Have a goal, simplify, do sleep work, which means before you go to sleep, out of the whole messy consciousness you have, write down the solution you need, whether it's a job or a social life or some help with your kids write it down, go to sleep, forget your dreams. Dreams are mixed with all this emotional vomit. But what you'll notice is you do a lot of work in that sleep state intuitively. So, I mean, I've written six books on intuition. I always recommend that people who are interested in intuition start with practical intuition, but people who just want to engage intuition in creating a better life, the circle although it's written in more esoteric language because that's what the publisher wanted. The system is rock solid. It's how do you set a goal and engage your intuition, your intellect, your emotions, your community, revisioning your past. How do you engage that as you're doing the dishes? Because I'm sorry, I can't take 30 minutes to exercise, 20 minutes to meditate, another 30 minutes to breathe and also shave my legs. Right. Let's do it all in under 10 minutes at the let's same time. Let's do it all together. You know, let's do it all while you're doing your dishes. You should be able to do your process. Well, the book that I look forward to reading first, Laura, is How to Rule the World from Your Couch, which just takes on new and quite literal meaning right now. <laughs> well, that is an intuitive textbook that I actually wrote for my students who are now teaching. I'm going to be 62 in March. So I've been teaching a long time and now my teachers are teaching teachers. And and I, the best book actually to start with to learn intuition is practical intuition. The best process 
is is uh, the circle. And the best book for this moment is Welcome to Your Crisis, because it really yes. helps you not be reactive, but say, okay, yes, this is happening. And I am overwhelmed. And this is the way I've been reacting since kindergarten. Here's how I can do something differently and engage all of my resources, including intuition, to create a better outcome. Laura Day, thank you so much. I am so hopeful for this year. I feel like I have some new tools and I will be ordering your books. For everybody in my life, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was really enjoyable. You can learn more about Laura Day at lauraday.com, also practicalintuition.com. And she's very active on Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to connect with her immediately, you can go there. I think she does a bunch of live events on social media regularly. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Come back here on Friday where I answer your money questions. I hope your day is so money. Money.